BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. It's hot. Oh. Hey, we a have day. a chance for money coming up. Yeah, I think it's just for a day. It's passing through. It'll start to be cooler over the weekend. We have a chance for money. We have that keyword that uh, you need to obtain when you listen around 220 and follow John's very direct instructions. He reads them very carefully, and he doesn't want you to be a fool and miss out on your chance. They don't even make sense to me, but I can read them. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Every time I go to KFIAM640.com, the banner just drops down to enter the keywords. That seems pretty simple, no? Is it? Well, that's what happens. Uh, oh, yeah. I haven't gone there, so I don't know. No, no, you should. I didn't do uh, a test run. You don't need to spend your time doing anything no. involved with the radio station to make any sense. Uh, what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks, we have the voter guide on the website, kfiam640.com, the Johnny Kent page. It's actually been there a couple of weeks, and we've added a couple of things to it if you want to check it out again. And everybody should have their ballots in the mail by now, or they're planning to vote in person. Early voting starts, John, too, pretty soon. People can stand in line early instead of on November 8th. The impatient people, because you always mock. Uh, People Um, with nothing to do, sure. We're going to start trying to bring on the yes and no sides on all the statewide ballot propositions. There's only seven of them. We're going to start quickly today at 5 o'clock with a no. It's the no on Proposition 30. That's the one where even Gavin Newsom is a no and has made commercials. And that makes us all suspicious that we're on the same side as Governor Gavin Newsom. This is the raising the tax on the wealthy to subsidize uh, zero emission cars, trucks and buses. Yeah, that lift. They think it's going to raise five billion dollars. Yes. So so the cars that lift riders need are going to come cheaper. So yeah, because because Lyft uh, doesn't want to pay full price. Yeah, they've already been told that by 2030, I think it is, yeah, 2030 regulatory deadline to have the majority of their fleets be EVs. So it's just going to help. That's why Lyft is bankrolling this, right? Well, because Lyft's business model depends on just uh, any random person wanting to use his car to ride people around for Lyft, right? Now, since only, you know, 2% of the public has an electric car and most of them are wealthy, Wealthy people don't want to be Lyft ride drivers. So Lyft, they're not going to have any drivers. So they need, you know, this massive subsidy to try to encourage uh, regular people to buy an electric car. Yeah. 
to, to work for get Lyft. some sort of tax incentive or some sort yeah. of rebate. I don't know what it'll be, but if they can get the price down, the net price down, but even they then, figure their drivers can buy the car and they'll be able to uh, meet the, the, but even then, the, the requirement. Kind, the kind of people who drive uh, Lyft and Uber are not the kind of people who uh, have, have a budget for a, a new car of any kind, even with a big subsidy. Oh, yeah. That's exactly I mean, why they're doing this. Yeah. So. I mean, the legislation really will put Lyft and uh, Uber potentially out of business. Like, oh, by 2030, they have most of their cars EVs yeah. and their drivers. Yeah. Unless Lyft yeah. pays for the EVs for their drivers. They don't want to do that either, right? No, they don't. They barely pay Lyft drivers anything at all for the rides. They're, I know. they're not going to subsidize a car. But there's some program, right? Because some of my drivers have told me that it's not their car they're driving, and there's some sort of lease deal they do through Uber and Lyft. I didn't really get the details on it. Yeah, but. I heard a driver tell me about that once. Yeah, and it wasn't I, his I own car. I, I was asking him about it. It was a Tesla, actually. And I asked him, he goes, oh, it's not mine. But And then I don't know, he didn't really explain the whole thing. But I don't know. All right, so that'll happen at 5 o'clock. What we're going to start off with is a, a poll. Southern California News Group. Uh, you may know them if you ever look at the L.A. Daily News, the Orange County Register, the Daily Breeze out of the South Bay, or the Inland Empire Papers. Anything that's basically not the El Segundo Times is probably the Southern California News Group. Yeah, the real newspapers. They did a poll, and their poll revealed that the mayor's race is really close. Rick Caruso, according to their polling, which is very recent, October 15th through the 17th, uh, has an actual three-point edge over Karen Bass, 39.8 to 36.8, which if you add that up, uh, there's still a, uh, a bulk of a, a bunch of people undecided. Yeah, about 23% undecided. Yeah, that's significant, so that, really. That, that's, uh, and that, this is good news. This <laughs> is good news because the polling from the El Segundo Times outfit in UC Berkeley, uh, even though they had Caruso narrowing the gap, he was still down at least, I think, double digits, wasn't he, or something like that? Uh, yeah, depending whether you looked at registered voters or likely voters. Look, I, I don't have faith in anybody's poll. But no, I, but I will say, just based on my experience roaming uh, through the world, it just seems like this is a lot closer to reality. There yes. are, are a lot of people talking about Caruso and not the kind of people that I ordinarily would think be attracted to uh, to a businessman. And I, I think common sense tells you, you, you look around and you see how horrible life in Los Angeles is. And there's two things, homelessness and crime, and they're intertwined. I, I don't know how anybody looks at all that's going on and says, wow, this, this, this is a fun place to live. I like this. this is, I'm, I feel really comfortable here. And aesthetically, it's really pleasing. I mean, everybody is irritated, uh, offended, angry, frightened by what's going on. That normally points towards a candidate who's completely different than uh, the riffraff we've had all these years. Well, in this city of identity politics, and I guess we found that out with the redistricting conversation the council people had, uh, Caruso, according to this poll, is leading among all groups except for black residents or black voters. Latinos, 44% to 29% for Bass. White people, 44 Caruso, 38 Bass. And even Asians, 35 or 36% going for Caruso, 29% for Bass. Well, because I think the conditions of the city are so dire, so dangerous, that that all those other identity po politics issues are just not important or not as important.
Because people, 77% reported that homelessness has worsened over the last couple of years. Yeah. Voters said they want somebody to do something about the homeless crisis. 60% said that. Right. And then crime was right behind that now, with 41%. Now, Bass comes from the generation and the politics of uh, George Gascon and Mike Bonin. They're and she's running a campaign over a woman's right to choose. I mean, honestly, and bringing in Biden and Kamala Harris. I'm hoping that's not cutting it with anybody. She's not right. even getting 50% of the Democrats in this poll. She's only polling about 44%. That's, that's really poor. That's, that should be her biggest worry, and I'm, I'm sure it is, because that, uh, that abortion issue is, is a zero, especially, especially in California. It's a zero. Oh, I mean, zero, uh, yeah. uh, uh, mayors have nothing to do with, with abortion laws. California is lock solid. You you got you got Newsom inviting people to come to California and abort their babies. So if that's the uh, the, uh, the the general uh, philosophy in the state, then then it is an irrelevant issue. And if I, she keeps pushing that, you know what? She doesn't want to commit to uh, doing something decisive about crime and homelessness because it doesn't bother her. She's never done anything about crime and homelessness, and she has represented. Los Angeles, for decades in one seat or another. I, I feel she has, she's been forced to talk about it, and she sounds that way when she does. And remember, initially, during one debate, she tried to say, I feel very safe, and then after her gun got stolen, well, yeah. not so safe anymore. But yeah. she knew she, she had to say both of those things at the beginning. She wanted to play down the crime, just like the El Segundo Times does. And then when it becomes obvious and someone steals a gun out of your own home, you got to say something along the lines of, well, maybe I don't feel so safe. But yeah. I don't feel she's ever been committed to the issue. No, she's not. She does because she doesn't feel it. She doesn't want to start putting criminals in prison. And she doesn't want to start forcing homeless people off the street and into treatment and, and into uh, you know temporary housing, shelters, whatever can be created. She doesn't want to do that. That's against her nature. And, and, and so you, she simply cannot be a mayor. We cannot have four more years of, of, of a Garcetti philosophy, of a Mike Bonin philosophy, a Gascon philosophy. We can't do that. And I and wonder I, how much uh, the Scientology tag played into some of this movement uh, yeah, in the polling. There's, there's a creep factor with her. That, that's <laughs> you know something. There, a few years ago, there was a, there, there was a, uh, a a writer, and he and he went by uh, a pseudonym because he knew he was going to upset a lot of his uh, traditional Republican friends. And he wrote a piece called "The Flight 93 Election," and it was an argument for Trump that. The last thing you want is a Hillary Clinton. And he had all his reasons, right? And he said Flight 93 was the flight on 9-11 where the passengers took over the cockpit and intentionally crashed the plane uh, in Pennsylvania, remember? And he said that's what the voters have to do here. We've got to grab, uh, we've got to grab the steering wheel of the plane. And, and, and the analogy was voting for Trump is like crashing the plane into the ground, but it's better than the alternative which was crashing the plane into the White House or the Capitol building or whatever they were going to do. And, and so that's what this is for Los Angeles. This is a Flight 93 election where you have to do something completely outside your comfort zone and, and you have to go with a completely new type, type of candidate, a completely fresh look, somebody who's not from politics. This is an emergency situation here. All right, coming up, as soon as we return... Keyword number one on our show for the day will come your way with a chance to win some inflation bonus cash. John and Ken KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. 
All right, we just talk about the mayor's race. There's a little crossover to another story that's been big the last couple of years. That's the dirty gynecologists at UCLA and USC. The one that laps over into the mayor's race is the USC dirty gynecologist George Tyndall. Remember that story? For years, he would sexually abuse women that came to the student clinic. And the reason it lops over into the mayor's race is that Rick Caruso was on, was on the board. still was on the board of USC. And uh, but he didn't take over his chair until after the whole scandal became public. So he had to be deposed. You know who deposed him, John? Oh, John Manley. John Manley did. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah, He's I, been I, on our I, show I many times. It's kind of weird. I would uh, like to have heard that. Anyway, the Times did a little digging, running a story about, you know, he didn't answer a lot of questions because of uh, uh, client attorney well, privilege. Well, so, the USC you know, attorneys did not want him to discuss a lot of things because the USC attorneys were trying to negotiate a settlement. Settlement, right. This is back in October 2020, by the way, this deposition. You know, which he did on an iPad. Yeah, see... The people on the board, including Caruso, are not the administration. There's an administration which knew that Tyndall was up to no good, I'm sure. and There, there were, were complaints, yes. Various supervisors. And then the board is outside of the administration, and what they handle is is the business affairs of USC. They, they you know, It's like the superstructure that, that runs a company, but it, it's not the day-to-day management. That would be, you know, the USC president and all of his underlings. Oh. Now, the other gynecologist story out of UCLA is the former gynecologist there. He was more than a gynecologist. He was an oncologist. So he saw a woman for gynecological examinations, but he also dealt with cancer patients. That's Dr. James Heaps. And the story there is uh, that that is still in jury deliberations. He is on trial for nine counts of sexual battery by fraud, penetration of an unconscious person by fraudulent representation, and three counts of, and this is an interesting, sexual exploitation of a patient. The jury there is starting over. The trial ended, I think, last week. Uh, it involves seven female patients, although there were many that eventually came forward. And there was a huge settlement in that case as well. But um, this has apparently turned into disarray. Um, some of the jury members want to be excused. They're running out of alternates because some of them, one of them I think has a surgical appointment that they have to get to. And another one had some other excuse. And I think they're down to like one alternate and they cannot reach a verdict. Obviously, there's uh, very strong opinions by some who think that he was guilty of sexually abusing the women. There's probably some people that... Uh, are buying the defense argument that this was just part of a gynecological examination and these women, uh, that's the term the defense lawyer used, it. these women sexualized what happened. But um, he was there for nearly 35 years. And we've talked about this before. He was a huge rainmaker at UCLA, which could explain why maybe they didn't pay a lot of attention to any complaints well, that probably came in over the years. I, I, I don't know what's with the jurors because there's 500 lawsuits against this doctor at UCLA. 500. And UCLA has already settled with 312 for $374 million. And then another 200 settled for over $240 million. 
And yeah, wisely, they only focused on these victims from 2009 to 2018. They probably wanted the fresher cases where, because a lot of this is just going to be their word against his. What kind of evidence would you really have? Except, oh, God. Say, you know, and there proving were, that they were a patient there. There were 5,500 other plaintiffs in a federal lawsuit that got $73 million total. So you add all that up, that's over $600 million. I don't think UCLA is paying $600 million if uh, Heaps wasn't a creep. Yeah, they paid it out before this went through the uh, through the legal system. So these jurors, uh, if there's any jurors who are resisting, um, uh, yeah, again, it's why you shouldn't have a jury system. I, he I treated over 6,000 patients, and obviously probably most of them women, but he was an oncologist too, so not necessarily. So, yeah, they settled a lot of these lawsuits, and I don't know whether or not that enters into the jurors' minds when they deliberate. They're supposed to ignore that or put that aside. I don't know how that works. See, but, uh, uh, see, if I was a juror, I'd be going online and I'd find out all the secrets. I'd find out about all the civil judgments, how much money is paid out. And that's all I need to know. I know UCLA doesn't pay $600 million for nothing. Do the, you know what the USC total payout was over Tyndall? $1.1 billion. Yeah, I know. Isn't it shocking that USC and UCLA, they paid $1.7 billion over two disgusting perverted doctors just like the catholic church they just wanted to ignore it wow if we acknowledge it and investigate it it'll get out to the press and that'll hurt our image well, so don't just ignore it maybe it, it'll go away it always gets out you eventually have, yes but these guys were at it for apparently decades when both you of them. when you sexually abuse hundreds or thousands of women <laughs> I, I don't understand human nature all right, we got more coming up. Johnny Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Could it be? Day after tomorrow, we're back listening to the uh, Moist Line folks who have been busy also yelling at the L.A. City Council, right? And they're a crossover there. Uh, you want to leave a message, use the iHeartRadio app. There's a little icon, a microphone icon on the app that uh, you can talk back to the Johnny Ken show. You can call the toll-free number, of course, 1-877-MOIST-86, 1-877-664-7886. Seven eight eight six. You know, I saw, I forget what I was watching. It was like a game show. And there was a comedian up there who was uh, promoting his tour. Mm -hmm. And you know, I stopped for a second because he calls it the moist tour. And then he went through that survey that was taken years ago that people find that to be one of the most detestful, <laughs> hated most, words. Yeah, I think it's number two on the list of most. And he uh, thought it'd be funny to call it his moist tour. Mm -hmm. so it's, <laughs> a, it's an amusing word. Coming up after 3 o'clock, CBS 2's investigative report on the L.A. County homeless count. Yeah. There were complaints a couple of weeks ago that it probably is inaccurate and no. does not depict what's really going on in the streets. They lied. They intentionally lied on purpose. They put out Maybe they're just incompetent. If you and I were running a count and we got back uh, on, on the spreadsheet, Venice, zero... What would you and I do? Well, it wasn't all of Venice. I think it was one section of Venice. One section of Venice, but the section of Venice most known for homeless people. That's Seriously. what the neighbors say, right? Yeah, it can't no, I've be true. seen it. Right. No, I've seen that area. Oh, you know that particular? Yes, I know that particular. Uh, it's the northwestern uh, quarter wow. of Venice. So uh, that that's not possible. And And the first person who saw that would say, that's wrong. Let's go back and do it again. I'm going to go right now. Let's get in the car and count now. That's wrong. And, well, and, David, and, and so they put out the number anyway. What does that tell you? 
They're dishonest liars. They're criminals. David Goldstein did the story. It's a near five-minute play, but we think it's worth it. We'll talk about it after. They'll come up at 3.05. All right, so you mentioned this yesterday. Now, Michael Schellenberger, who's been on our show many times and ran for governor, uh, didn't draw up a 3% of the vote, unfortunately, in the primary in June, even though we had him on our voter's guide. Uh, he's one of these people that used to be part of, uh, well, back then it wasn't necessarily called progressive or woke, but he was sort of, you know, of a liberal tilt. But he's come to understand what has really gone off the rails with the woke progressives. His latest column is the quiet desperation of woke fanatics. What's driving them and how can they be defeated? It's almost like a psychological exploration of of, of their natures. Do you remember when we had that uh, uh, writer on from L.A. Magazine? Uh, I think his name was Joe Quinones. Yeah, a yes. couple of weeks ago when he had... Uh, uh, when he did the story on Skid Row's homeless. Yeah, kinda, right. It was an article on the history of how we got here with all this homeless in L.A. And I, we asked him, I asked him about the activists because the activists have a huge impact on the politicians. And I said, do, do you know why the activists are that angry and are so emotionally committed to letting homeless people stay in the streets and not have the city move them? And he said, no, I didn't ask him that. Um, I was just reporting on what they do. I didn't ask them why they do it. And that has been bugging me ever since. It's like, why do are, are these people so emotionally involved? Yeah, you know, I, he, he, called, he uses a different word, which we'll get into in a moment. But I, I used to say that it's a form of narcissism. Because a lot of these people, whether it's the climate or the homelessness issue or whatever, they really believe that uh, they're the center of the universe. And if they don't do something and they don't do something now, uh, the planet is doomed. They have to act. And then they have to act in really loud, outlandish ways. He uses the term, which we were called once, John, nihilism. Uh, Nihilism. Remember, uh, you, you had called us nihilists. Because what are you guys anyway? You don't seem to be Democrats, liberals. I, I don't get it. Are you nihilists? It was a long time ago, but it was funny. Yeah. No, I remember that. Um, he, well, nihilists are, are somebody who just wants to bring down the whole uh, system. The whole Human life has no inherent meaning or purpose. Yeah. And, <laughs> the, uh, what if the comedian once said, nothing matters, and what if it did? But, but see, this is what I've been telling you. These, uh, these groups are anarchists. They really do want to bring down the whole system. That truly is their goal. And they really believe it. They also are getting paid to, to do it. There was something in Schellenberger's story, one of his stories, uh, about the tomato soup on the uh, Van Gogh painting. And, and that is a, an organized group uh, that uh, is, uh, is funded by the millions by members of the Getty and Rockefeller families, the heirs. They're, yeah. they're financing the groups, and so they're throwing soup on, uh, on Van Gogh paintings to protest uh, climate change. That, that's the other religion. And, and so what Schellenberger writes about, and he quotes a lot from a book uh, from 1950, uh, which was written uh, you know, at the end of Nazism and when communism was rising, is you have, you have two groups of people who get involved. And one of them are the soldiers, right, in the street, in the streets. And those are the losers in society. Those are the people who don't have any particular brains or talent, and they feel that their lives are pointless. They don't have a purpose. They're just not good at anything. 
And so they're willing to be the shock troops in the street and create the mayhem, right? Dumping milk in grocery stores, throwing tomato soup at, at paintings, you know, screaming in neighborhoods against uh, 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 putting away the homeless. And then you have what he called, and this is 1950, the bored spinsters. Spinsters is an old-fashioned word for an unmarried woman, an older unmarried woman. And he, he wrote in 1950 about these women who are willing to finance these groups. And this is exactly what we have. You have billionaire, uh, the wives of billionaires who've either won a lot of money in a divorce settlement or just get to spend whatever they want. The white, wealthy, woke women that I talk about. Yeah. And they're bored. They're bored in their lives. They're wealthy. Their kids have grown up. Their marriages might be dead. And so they need some sort of meaning in their life as well. And these two groups, which have nothing in common, connect. You have, you have the, the older women financing, and it's absolutely true for a lot of these groups, uh, especially climate change groups. And then you have the people in the street who are willing to create a ruckus, do street theater. He uh, talks about an author named Eric Hoffer who wrote a book years ago, the true believer, thoughts on the nature of mass movements. And he, he does mention the Nazis, and he said most of the Nazi bigwigs had artistic and literary ambitions, which they could not realize. Hitler tried painting and architecture. Uh, Goebbels tried drama, novel and poetry. Rosenberg, architecture and philosophy. And he goes on and on to explain, they all tried something, they all failed. So you can see the connection to wounded pride. Many narcissists are seeking to feel relevant, but they lack the talent or stamina to become any good at their craft. So they must resort to cruder actions that require courage, but little creativity or hard work, like throwing a can of tomato soup on a painting or stopping traffic or emptying milk onto the floor. It's noticeable to the extent to which the first and last of these behaviors are typical of the temper tantrums of children. Yeah, how many which times you've we... often pointed out. That's, yes. yeah, we've been talking about this. And now Schellenberger's wrote about it, and they wrote about this in 1950 regarding the, you know, crazy protest groups of the day. This is embedded in human nature. These are people who don't have a religion in their lives, a traditional religion, and at the same time they have no success, and they're bored. And they fill their, 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 their dull, empty days. Yeah, he writes, harsh as it sounds, fanatics tend to be losers. Yes. <laughs> they are those with the least to gain from the status quo and the most to gain from radical change. But how do they gain from radical change? Just because they can claim, well, I did that. They're, that with yes, they're part of something greater. They're part oh. of a movement that's changing the world. Uh, the reason that these inferior elements of a nation can exert such a marked influence on its course is that they're wholly without reverence towards the present. They see their lives and the present as spoiled beyond remedy, and they're ready to waste and wreck both. Hence their recklessness and their will to chaos and anarchy. That's what Hoffa wrote back in 1950, and this is what I'm talking about. These people in the streets are destroying things for the sake of destroying them. That's what they did to Portland during the summer of 2020. That's what they've done to Los Angeles as well. You know, they, 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 they don't have any real belief system about the homeless or about climate change. It's not about that. It's about the destruction because it gives their life meaning. Yeah, the last paragraph. Then who are the climate fanatics? They are frustrated, needy, and lonely. They're in the grip of nihilism and wounded narcissistically. They are spiritual seekers and creative failures. They have both a strong need to feel special and powerful, but also to lose themselves in the group. 
They are people who desperately want to get away from having to deal with themselves and the confronta- and confrontation with inner demons required for personal growth. That's a pretty good way to sum it all up. Yeah, and, and, they, and they control City Hall. Can you imagine the power rush for these narcissists that little wieners like uh, Eric Garcetti runs away from this crowd? <laughs> All right, uh, more coming up. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Coming your way in about 30 minutes, another keyword. That's right, the inflation bonus money that KFI is handing out through iHeart. Be listening for the word at around 320. And then John Cobelt, right on top of this, will tell you how you can enter to possibly win the money. He's good at this. He's good like Biden. He can read the teleprompter. Oh, thanks. I'm as good as Biden. You guys wanted that in there years ago. I thought you wanted like a more of a screen, like a teleprompter. Instead. I still, you still do. Have like, you have a book you still flip through for everything. Yeah, right? I know. I don't like flipping through the book and looking for all the pages that I've tossed on the floor or upside down. It's like I just want to have a scrolling teleprompter. You should have a minion, a minion that sets up right the next uh, thing that you need to know, the when, story or the uh, copy for the ad or when, whatever. When you, when you make a suggestion for 20 years and nobody follows up, you know, after a while. Uh, give up on it, yeah. yeah. All right, after 3 o'clock, first thing we're going to do is play the story from CBS2 investigative reporter David Goldstein about how the Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority probably didn't do a good job with this year's homeless count. This is the first one since the pandemic began. We can all see how worse things have become throughout the city and the county, and yet it was a very, very incremental rise that they reported in homelessness. Even the homeless people were laughing at the count. Oh, they were? Yes. That's the first interview in the stories with a homeless guy. (laughs) That ought to tell you something. And it's the usual excuses from Lhasa. But we knew this from a story that ran a couple of weeks ago. Even some of the workers who were out there with their iPads were like, something's not right here. They're not taking the data. I don't really believe that. Anyway, uh, David uh, does his usual uh, great job in putting together the story. So we'll play it for you. And then we'll talk about the L.A. County Board of Supervisors. They're still figuring out what to do with uh, Long Beach and Metro and the homeless problem there. If you've heard of the Blue Line, which runs from downtown Los Angeles to Long Beach, well, Long Beach is the last stop. Everybody has to get off because they have to clean the train of all the bodily fluids. And uh, some of the homeless are hanging out in bigger numbers in Long Beach, and citizens there are complaining that that's what's happening. So the dopey board of supervisors, led by John's favorite, Janice Hahn, are trying to figure out what they can do to... She barely has a single brain cell. I don't know how she gets up and walks. All right. Now, this story leads me to say you may never, ever want to leave a water bottle at work again. When I'm talking about some people buy the reusable water bottles and then they go to the fountain at work and they fill it up. So you're going to enjoy this. I'm sure I will not enjoy this. This is one horrific story. It's from a Houston medical office building and a woman who worked there was beginning to notice something strange when she tasted the water in her water bottle and it smelled funny if she didn't finish her water during the workday she would leave it on her desk to drink the following day this is a 54 year old mother of two as days went by she noticed the water she'd been bringing in herself started to smell nasty as well. But she couldn't figure out what was going on. Yeah, first she was getting water from the water dispenser at work. Yeah. And it was tasting foul. So she switched to her own water bottle from home. And then that started tasting foul. 
but she put the water from home in this water bottle she left on her desk, this reusable water bottle. A coworker offered to make her a coffee. She asked them if they could use water from her bottle instead of the dispenser. Due to the smell, her coworker looked at the water bottle and said, this looks yellow. <laughs> so a doctor the victim worked for conducted a urinalysis on the water. And yes, that's what was in there. Oh, God. Now, now, if, it, if it smells like urine, it probably oh. is. To top it off, she caught an STD <gasps> from the Well, guy. you jumped ahead. Oh, yes. God. They set up a hidden camera in the office, and they caught the custodian who would come by at night, and apparently what he liked to do is put his genitals into the water bottle. <laughs> what is wrong with people? That's... She provided the video and two water bottles to the police the next day. They confronted the custodian... His name is uh, Cater uh, Lucio Caterino Diaz, and he admitted that he did it out of malicious intent, and it's a sickness that he has. And and he also uh, had, I guess, a sore mm. on his genitals. Oh, disgusting. Because they tested him for the STD, <laughs> oh, and it was the no, same stop. one that she got. Yes. No. <laughs> yes. What are the odds of that? I bag right then and there. <laughs> So, how do you get over that? To try to put this lightly, he yeah. dipped it in there, and then she's raising the bottle to her lips. Oh, yeah, and we get it. And, and just before she drank it, she said, "Spill the wine," <laughs> and that doesn't go away. Oh, so she's probably going to get you know one of those disgusting lip sores for the rest of her life. Just a reminder. Oh. Would it about, be herpes? What would that be? Probably right? like, yeah, herpes. oral herpes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you get those sores on your lip or whatever. Right. He told police he did the same thing at a previous job that he worked for for eight months. So they're looking for more victims of this. Uh, yeah, lab results confirm that the victim contracted an STD that she had not previously had. He tested positive for the same disease. And he also had a second one. Oh, great. A second STD. What? We don't know. What? We don't know what that is. You can't leave your water bottle unattended anywhere. No. I wouldn't you know, leave anything around but right, I tell the you, workplace the, the victim, where you never know who's exactly. coming by. The victim was a little slow, though, because... She, I know. She kept saying, this smells funky. Yeah. And, and then goes on. And, and it was urine the whole time, so didn't she notice well, right you, away that it was yellow? I, I would think... It you, may not have been an opaque bottle, John. Right, yes. And but, you, you're not going to expect that somebody's going to pee in your bottle. Oh, I always do. Yeah, that's the first thing you think about every day. Who's feeding my bottle? No, there's people here who would do it. It's what Deborah Mark's right. It's too ridiculously disgusting to consider that somebody would come by and want to pee in your bottle every Especially now and then. Especially in the workplace. Remember, there was the guy who was uh, doing more than peeing. Oh yes, he and was that another woman, bodily fluid was being put in. Yeah, that woman was finding. Uh, yeah, I heard about that the other day. As a matter of fact, I thought that wasn't that an Orange County woman that happened. Yeah, I think it was. Yes, it was. Yeah, there was a few years back. Something right? unpleasant floating in her drink. Oh. Well, everybody, you know, John, my, my spectrum of uh, sexual desires. Oh. Some men are turned on by bottles. <laughs> <laughs> they actually have a video though. You have to them. kind of fit through the. I mean, I mean, they, 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 they have a video. Well, still, oh, nice audio. They have, <laughs> they have a still shot. Sir, there's him. a bathroom down the hallway. I don't know why you need to. You can only pee in a bottle when you're in a car and you can't get a bathroom, right? They have a still shot of him at the desk. And the caption is, Diaz caught on the victim's hidden camera rubbing his genitals on her water bottle. 
<laughs> it wasn't bad enough that he peed. No, no. He, he had to do that. Yeah. All right, when we return, we will play for you CBS2 investigative reporter David Goldstein's story on the L.A. County homeless count, which has come into real doubt. A lie. It's a, a lie. John and Ken on KFIM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. John and Ken show and Deborah Mark live in the 24-hour KFI newsroom. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.